Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Room Podcast on the Handshake Media Network. I'm your host, Neil Griffiths, coming to you from my living room uh, because I'm in self-isolation. Holy shit, a lot has changed in a week with this coronavirus stuff. I think last week we did the Melanie C podcast. I recorded that actual interview with Mel the week before that, so two weeks ago. Then I had to record the intros and outros uh, in my house since then. Australia has effectively shut down, uh, apart from supermarkets. Thanks, Gomo. Um, so I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe. Uh, and what better way to self-isolate than just chilling out and listening to podcasts like this one? Uh, before we get started, I want to mention the Support the Bands initiative that the music.com.au are doing right now, which effectively means that even though bands and artists can't perform right now, you can still support them, get on their websites, buy their merch, listen to their music, Uh, And also donate to Support Act, who are aiming to reach $20 million with their COVID-19 emergency appeal, which is aimed at raising money for artists and workers in the music industry who really aren't making any money at all right now. Uh, Again, music venues are closed. Ticket agencies aren't selling tickets because there are no shows. Uh, So every dollar counts. And Support Act are aiming to reach $20 million. And with your help, we can get there. So doom and gloom talk over. This episode... I'm joined by Bert McCracken of The Used, one of my all-time favorite bands. Bert came on from his home, actually. I mean, it was going to be a face-to-face, but obviously he's in self-isolation too. He now lives in Sydney. Uh, so we spoke on the phone about The Used's new album called Heartwork. It's out on the 24th of April. This is a very exciting album for The Used fans because it does see The Used reunite with John Feldman, uh, obviously the front man of Goldfinger, but also he produces a lot of albums for a lot of big bands, including Blink-182, Good Charlotte. He's even worked with Five Seconds of Summer and Veronica's here in Australia. Um, so yeah, after he re- he produced a lot of the used albums, he took a bit of a break with the last album. Now he's back for hard work, and he calls this album a career-defining moment for the used. Uh, you'll hear in this talk with Bert, they are beyond rap to get back together with Feldman. And Bert says, if you're going to compare this album to any previous used record, it sounds most like the first three albums. Their debut album, The Used, In Love and Death and Lies for the Liars. We talk a lot about that. Uh, we talk about some of the people that feature on this album. Mark and Travis from Blink are on this album. Jason from Fever 333 are on this album. Caleb from Tooth is on here. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, uh, you may remember back in December 2018, Bert came on the podcast. We were backstage at Good Things in Sydney, Good Things Festival. And during the chat, he mentioned that he had been peppering Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance with Tex about getting the band back together and touring with The Used. Uh, earlier this year, before coronavirus happened, obviously, The Used uh, had to pull out of some shows because they were teasing that a big announce was coming. And rumors were it was going to be the used in My Chemical Romance teaming up to tour together. Uh, you remember back in the day, those two bands had a lot to do with each other. They played Taste of Chaos festivals together. Um, so I speak to Bert about that. He remembers telling me uh, that he remembers that exchange from 2018 when he told me he'd been texting uh, Gerard. So I asked him straight up, did he know the reunion was happening or was that pure luck? Check it out. This is my interview with Bert on the Green Room Podcast. All right, I'm stoked to be joined on the line now, frontman of the U's, Bert McCracken. Bert, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be on. 
I mean, this was meant to be a face-to-face interview because obviously you do live in Sydney now, but uh, due to the thing called coronavirus, uh, we have been restricted to our homes. I'm in my home studio right now. I know your home. Uh, how are you holding up, man? Doing all right. Yeah, keeping positive. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we'll just keep listening to the experts and what they have to say and uh, keeping our hands clean is what they do, right? How long have you been home for? Have you been traveling back and forth to the States? See, I got home February 25th, so just before it was even, it was on the radar. Um, and I think it start, started to become a, an issue in Italy. And, but yeah, it wasn't, wasn't really a thing. Nobody was really talking about it until maybe a week or two weeks after I had been home, so kind of avoided most of the madness with, with it. Our most All of our crew went out on other tours right after the tour ended, and some of them got stuck in Europe and all sorts of crazy stuff. So, And, yeah, heart goes out to all the dudes who work in music right now because <clears throat> if that's your gig, your gig's just been canceled indefinitely, and uh, it's rough, and that's your only source of income. So it's been tough. We had... We had tons of cool things coming up that we were really, really excited about, and uh, we'll just have to wait. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, straight off the bat, obviously you are on the show to promote the used new album, Heartwork. It's out April 24. Is the album release date still intact? I mean, did you guys have shows planned that now have to be indefinitely postponed? Yes. Anything that has to do with us showing up somewhere to play shows has been postponed indefinitely. But other than that, record will come out when it comes out. And, um, yeah, people will be at home. They'll be able to stream it or however you listen to music. We can't wait for you to hear it. So wish it was coming out now. I'm stoked. I can't wait. Has, has the coronavirus outbreak changed these plans? I mean, they're, they're talking maybe two months, maybe three, maybe six, maybe more. Um, do you expect or hope that The Used will be touring this album at least some point in 2020? Yeah, you can only you can only hope and cross your fingers and anything else you do to provoke uh, good fortune or luck or blessings or whatever you believe, start doing it because we can't wait to get back on the road. <laughs> We've been having the best live shows ever. This last little tour we did was some of some of the most fun times we've ever had. We played super small clubs on purpose so we could play a whole bunch of old stuff stuff that stuff that we haven't even ever played ever um so yeah we we uh we're really bummed that we have to kind of slow down the, the momentum a bit but we'll do whatever it takes and yeah like i said all you can do is hope for the best and try to stay positive live music won't go away forever but for now we don't you know, let's try to avoid half of the population of the planet. Well, let's talk about something more positive, which is the album Heartwork. Um, we've already gotten a couple of cuts from it so far. Um, you've said something that, as a used fan, makes me very excited, which is uh, you wanted to record something that sounds like the first three records. Is that coming from a place where now you're you're reuniting with producer John Feldman, who obviously you guys work with a lot? Um, tell Tell me why... Or how this is going to to replicate some of the earlier albums? Yeah, I think that what we love about making music has a really nice home with John Feldman. It's it's 
really about just having a good time. And I think that he believes that when an artist is relaxed and in the moment creatively, then you get magic. And it just seems like a match made in heaven. And I guess what I mean by the, the, to capture the essence of those first few records is before um, social media was a kind of um, such a presence in the in the industry of music, and before I think things were there, they seem to be a little bit more bogged down with <clears throat> other motives, and there's a lot more concern with branding and numbers, and it's just, it's just a strange world that we live in with art and social media and the combination of the two uh, I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to speak positively about it because it's not all bad there's um, there's lots of really amazing things about it too like the connection that you have to humans um, I just feel like the, the first couple of records really reflect this um, earnest um, genuine honest love for a catchy melody and um, the the use have always been a band that writes about things concerning true feelings and um, true kind of in your own head thought processes. I think that it's a, more of a kind of a psychic exploration of yourself and your place in the world and a lot of other deeper things than just a, a backbeat or something you turn on. Um, for background music, so yeah, we tried to really kind of focus in on what it what it felt like when we first started making music, and and uh, with John Feldman, it was, it was it was so easy. We just, we just have so much fun in the studio with him. I think my I was twelve when the first the used album came out in two thousand two. Do you remember this video you guys filmed with Feldman at the time? I don't, I mean I don't know if it's still real, but. He like there was a video of you guys like interacting with him in the studio and him screaming at you and me being fucking twelve. I was like, this guy's insane. Why are they working with him? That was a parody video, right? Now that I'm a, a fucking adult, that was a joke, right? I love that so many people like like thought that was real. And when I, we just we just we laugh about it. We just watched it like in the last week of recording this record. We love <laughs> one of our favorite things. John Feldman was so involved in the beginning. He really was like a another band member. He he made the music video for Boxful of Sharp Objects. Like yep. He shot all the footage and edited it together himself. And he was just such a champion for the band. And yeah, he's never been. <laughs> he's never yelled at me once. He's got a different <laughs> type of aggression, which is a. He's he's one of the hardest working men I've ever met in my life. He's he, he's no joke. Ready to ready to go whenever, and it's it's incredible. Like he'll he'll. He'll, he'll never quit. He'll outwork you every day of every year. It's, it's just, it's, it's so inspirational to be around that kind of energy. He's such a passionate, positive person. So it's, a, it's an honor to still have that kind of relationship with him that we can make those things that are so, so much fun and, and so it's so crazy you mentioned that it's funny is it true as well uh i think tell me if it was the wrong song i think in love and death uh feldman dragged you to a beach in la to record the vocals for sound effects and over dramatics yeah we were on a little trip it wasn't in la it was up north um right. in 
San Simeon or somewhere somewhere just along the coast, a little bit north. And we were kind of like on a, we rented a little place by, by the beach and planned to, planned to record a bunch of stuff. It was crazy. We went out at, at like midnight and recorded until like five or six in the morning. And I got deathly ill from it. I was sick for like a week. It was amazing. <clears throat> Good time. So I guess two-part question then. Why did you guys, um, I guess, take a break from working with Feldman and what inspired you to, to reconnect for hard work? I think bands always just, you know, it's fun to explore and to have different experiences. And um, sometimes you're on different wavelengths. And, you know, John Feldman and I have always been like brothers, if not, um, you know, tight, tighter than that, tighter than that. I can even explain, but, um, yeah, the band has always kind of tried to push itself in other ways. Working with Ross Robinson, for example, is just a dream come true. He's like a spiritual guru, Zen master. Um, and that record was, it, it was insane to record a record like they used to do in, in the early days of rock and roll where you have to actually play it live and, record it without a quick track and to tape and all all, the, all those fun things which we you know we always we just when you have dreams and, and kind of ambitions when you're younger and you have the ability because we're really kind of so fortunate to still have this career it's just still unbelievable to me that we get to take take advantage of those opportunities and work with the guy who did Sepultura Roots and recorded on the tape like Pink Floyd would have and yeah getting back with John Feldman was I think an inevitable um, he, we have so much fun in the studio and I think like I said before I think there's some kind of special magic between his energy and my energy and he has a really really good way to kind of balance my overcomplicated um, maybe over-analyzed thoughts sometimes. It's a great kind of pop filter for my for my younger self who just kind of hated every other music that wasn't uh, Converge or, or Strife or Earth Crisis. It was like a hard-headed, hardcore kid growing up. So this whole thing has been a, an adventure for me to come around to. <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, how has your working relationship changed? I mean, as a band and, and personally in your life, obviously you've changed a lot. You're a father now. Um, how is that relationship today to going back to that 20-something-year-old kid that was being screamed at in the studio and getting things thrown at him? <laughs> yeah, I think that um, it's, a, it's a completely different world, but it's the same kind of amazing um, pressure is, I guess, the best kind of word for it. There's this a creative pressure working around someone as driven as John Feldman that no matter how old or, or mature you think you are or how, you know, I, we're, we feel like veterans in the, in the music game now tour, having toured for 20 years. So getting around someone who is a true veteran and still has the ability to kind of force you to have this little competition with yourself. Like, I, can, I can do better than that just for a John Feldman record type of situation. Um, yeah, he he has that ability to kind of bring that out in, in artists. It's, it's 
great quality that a producer should, should have. I know another thing you've said about Heartwork is that uh, this album has some of the heaviest songs you guys have recorded and the poppiest. Um, you've obviously got uh, Mark and Trav from Blink on this album. You've got Caleb from Beartooth. Uh, I mean, elaborate. The heaviest and the poppiest all in one album. Yeah, we we're, our musical tastes are so all over the place. And growing up, I was first introduced to pop music kind of the only music my my parents were all right with. My dad liked a little bit of rock and roll, but... So, yeah, it was Michael Jackson and um, Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey and all that kind of really amazing uh, pop songs. So I've always had a, a weird kind of fondness and, and obsession with great melody, a song that would get stuck in your head. Um, but like I said, I, when I was a teenager, I was just a like kind of a ignorant, close-minded, hardcore kid, <laughs> and hated every other music. So when I found out that we might work with John Feldman from the band Goldfinger, I was like, "Oh no, this is." <laughs> <laughs> I just never listened to Goldfinger. All I ever heard was like that little song they had on the radio. And as far as I was concerned, every band that was on the radio was the worst band ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was just a, a kind of a wild transition going from, um, that to, to the, I mean, and to your, to your previous question, it's like we, when I was a young kid, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the attention and a lot of the, um, excitement around the years was just, I mean, I grew up in a really conservative household and kind of kids from Utah, Mormon kids from Utah, they, they tend to go crazy. And, you know, I was very, I was a live wire when I was a young buck and anything was possible. I mean, I quit the band, the first record and like disappeared to Santa Barbara for a couple of weeks. until they found me just, things that I can't even really relate to or comprehend now being an adult with children and a fairly responsible one at that. So yeah, things come full circle. The relationships evolve, but I'm, I'm sure John Feldman just finds this, um, the same kind of pleasure in the, in the entirety of the story and how, how the relationship has evolved and how we've just been through so much together. I mean, you said you'd look back at that time and you can't even relate to that. Trying to put your mindset back at that time, was that just an angry kid who got success and maybe didn't want it, maybe thought he was now too good for it? Like, I mean, quitting the band for a couple of weeks, that does seem pretty crazy, right? Yeah, I think it was just maybe. I I, I wasn't sure. All of my favorite bands at that time and before that didn't have any on the radio and it just seemed like a big big jump for us it just seemed like a lot of people were saying a lot of stuff that I maybe I just couldn't believe at the time because yeah we had a, a, an A&R guy at Warner Brothers who was just so obsessed with the band and um, you know so many people telling you how great you are I don't know yeah it just it did my head in I think a little bit yeah, just kind of. I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to hear any of that. I just. What I understood to be music was something different in a small club with a bunch of 
kids who are trying to get on the stage. And yeah, I think that it took a little bit of just not thinking about it to, to let it sink in. Well, I mean, it makes more sense live when you start to see the crowds grow, but when they're telling you about how it might go and like everything with contracts and money, it was just all a big, it was, it was, it freaked me out. Yeah, I mean, if I can fanboy for a second again, I've been a fan of the U since the first album, and I I remember being at I I want to I mean tell me if I'm wrong, but it was I think the first Australian tour that the U had done, and it was at these massive venues, um, and I've seen you plenty of times since. How has things changed for you? Like again, going back to that stage, I've kind of like as a fan, I've watched you watched you as as a as a singer and as a band grow and play to bigger crowds and release more albums, change your sound. Where are you at in 2020? I think there's a real resurgence of, of this type of music. And I think it's been something that's, I guess, lack, been lacking in the last 10 years. There's There's been a lot of different types of um, kind of heartless music, in my, in my own personal opinion. Nothing wrong with... Um, electronic music at all and, and not to say that it can't be emotional and, and kind of a spiritual challenge and I guess that with the introduction of technology and Pro Tools and everybody being able to use auto-tune as well as the introduction of social media and what that kind of did it's felt a little it's felt a little bit um, underwhelming in my own personal opinion as far as creative music is concerned. But we're seeing this kind of full circle at this point. Everybody has the same equipment now. Everybody has the same fancy Pro Tools and compressors and plugins and everything. So you, you're kind of forced to be really good again as an artist and be able to do it live makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, we, we've enjoyed the ride. That's, that's for sure. Be, being, being out on the road was always something that I wanted to do for a living ever since I was really young and, and understood that people did that. Um, so staying, staying at it and not, not going away and not having it taken from me has been, um, a dream come true and I think you know staying humble hopefully I'll be able to do it for another 20 years yeah, that would be incredible going full circle is that why I mean just what you, what you talk about as far as the, the sounds the equipment being used is that why you think that Heartwork might be more relatable to those first three used albums I think the first three used records are very colourful and kind of there's a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows and different types of songs. And I think that that really um, was one of the most exciting things about the used and about used records is you get a really, really heavy song and then the next song is almost this acoustic electronic ballad. And and, and that's always been really fun for us in the studio, bring a little bit of theatrics and a little bit of drama to the production. Is um, I love a great sounding pop record it's just i love it to death so we got to do exactly what we wanted to any any type of song we wanted to write with any type of sound and yeah i think that's where the 
the dichotomy of the um, light and dark comes from on this record is we we really went to the heaviest place the youth has ever gone. The song with Caleb called The Lottery is a song about um, the short story, The Lottery. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's a fantastic little uh, metaphor. Um, but yeah, it's the heaviest used song that exists. And I think that there's a few songs on this record that are by far stand out the poppiest used songs. Kind of kind of almost <laughs> club, club bangers. So mm. we... We we're all over the place. It's re- it's really fun. It's a nice journey. Is that a, a I guess a, a used roundtable? Is that something that you decide? Is that something Feldman suggests when you have, you know, guys like Jason from Fever Three 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 or Blink come in? Are these bands that you go? I want these guys on it, or or is it more of a collaborative discussion about a sound you're going for and then a particular musician or band that might fit with where you're going? Yeah, it's a really, really cool and friendly and relaxed, laid-back process. Everybody shows up. Everybody knows that I'm I'm a, a night owl, and I I um, tend to do everything that I do at night. So we start a little bit later in the day, which for some people is rough. Um, they've been up and waiting around for hours, but you know we start at like noon or one, and. Um, we get in a room and everybody just kind of has coffee and we start kind of chatting. And of course people have instruments in their hands and it's like, well, how does everybody feel today? What does it feel like? And sometimes I'll be like, well, I've had this idea for years about writing a song about how I hate this fucking song. <laughs> and then we'll just go with that. What does that feel like? Um, yeah. So it's really fun and, and kind of laid back process. There's no real, um, calculations or even strategy talk involved it feels really natural and just like i need to i need to say this i feel like i I feel like this record needs to say this and the more songs you have the more you feel like well we kind of it would be nice to have another really heavy one so then you kind of see what you can do with another heavy idea so yeah it's cool like little it's really fun to make a record with john feldman nowadays yeah i mean really quick having Having a band like Blink come on, I mean, obviously Blink are one of the biggest bands of that genre and have been for many years. Going back to what you were saying about earlier being just a little hardcore kid, were you ever into Blink? Is that something that's only happened recently or is as a Blink collaboration been something you've wanted to do for a long time? Yeah, I was never a Blink fan until we started tour- touring and met the guys. And like back in the day when we did the Boxcar Racer tour, oh, right. um, like I kind of, I kind of realized what everybody loved about Blink. It's just like these, these personalities and these dudes were amazing musicians, a and just the personalities are larger than life. They're, and to be that, to be that, like massive for that long, and to still be that humble and laid back and just genuine, it was such a cool, refreshing opportunity. And and got you know, thank, thank, thankful to Feldman for that hookup because he. Uh, got to do their last record and just worked with them for the last couple of years. So it's like, who do you guys feel like working with? Do you guys feel like um, getting the Blink guys in here? Like, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> I may imagine Tom DeLong wasn't around for that phone call though, was he? <laughs> I don't even think that those guys um, have a, a relationship like that anymore, but I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I wouldn't, uh, you know, as a, as a as a dude, I'm just kind of like I'm mind my own business. I know how that thing goes with ex band members and stuff. 
Well, you've actually just put the perfect segue in for my next question because I don't remember. I don't know if you remember our podcast at Good Things in 2018. What was that? December 2018. And you told me that you were going to keep trying to text Gerard Way and get Mike Cam back on the road. Did you know something then that you're not telling us now? I either want an admission of guilt or an apology, but pick one. I, I summoned. I summoned. The, <laughs> no, I was. I was. Um, I, when we were making the record with Ross, we went and saw Frank Iero, and uh, like that's the first time I'd seen Gerard in quite a while. And it was. It was like it was awesome to see him. It was just like I had you know just saw him yesterday. I was like, what up? What up, buddy? So we exchange numbers and stuff with clients to like get coffee and stuff but everything was crazy and you know he him being super busy and me being super busy so i mean i doubt i had anything i think that they had their own plans i honestly didn't know anything um i like to joke around a lot but um (laughs) yeah what a funny thing there are these rumors that apparently when you guys pulled out of some shows uh, early this year, you guys said a big news update and a lot of people started speculating that it was going to be a used in my cam tour. Obviously, now that can't happen. Was that in the plans? We we knew like a month in advance there was going to be a worldwide pandemic. We just didn't want to announce <laughs> it like it was some good news. We're like, we have a secret. We have a secret that we can't tell you. <laughs> Um, everybody's going to be locked in their house for the next six months. And that was the big news. <laughs> You're welcome, used fans. No, we do have some. We do have some really awesome news that we're still. You know, everything will still happen. It'll just get postponed. So we'll we'll have some really awesome news to announce pretty soon. And uh, you know, obviously, the second you see someone announce a reunion tour, you're like, "Give me on that mother! Yeah. Give me on puppy!" So yeah, I've been. Texting Gerard like crazy, but I also have just been announcing that we are on it, just because. <laughs> yeah, we should be. <laughs> You're just hoping the band don't realize. Like, oh shit! I guess they used our so, on this tour. Cool. All right, we'll call that. Yeah. So yeah, you can spread the word. But yeah, of course they used are playing. <laughs> Why wouldn't they be? It's it's pretty cool though when you, like I mean you just mentioned like obviously the uh, the used in my cam toured a lot back in the day we just mentioned a band like Blink and and Tom spreading away does it surprise you how much things have changed thinking back to 2002 is a long time ago but in the scheme of things it's not that long ago does it surprise you how much things have changed yet when you get back in a room with a guy like Gerard things feel like no time has passed at all I don't know I'm not yeah it's it's strange like the, you know years go by and you're still the same little kid you were but you realize whoa like I'm not a little kid anymore I think that's a really cool thing about the new record is it feels like there's a lot of exploring of those feelings I don't think that even even people even people who are well into their um, corona danger age um you know, they probably, as I would imagine, still just feel like little kids and their life just went by in a flash, And which life does. It just, I think the older you get, the more um, sensitive and, and fragile everything starts to feel and love starts to feel like this really, um, um, really amazing gift that you, that you, life is so short that you get to kind of, enjoy love is such a it's such a gift it's, it's incredible so yeah i think that 
cool thing about this new record is just the exploring those feelings. Like at this age, I I don't feel like a like a dad, but I, I mean I am, and I'm act I act like one. But I'm you know I'm still I'm still the same little kid I I've always been. It's 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 crazy. Well, I'm hoping once all this settles down, the news will get back on the road because I think the last time Australia got to see you on a stage was with the Veronicas at Good Things in Sydney in what last December. That's right. It's been a while, man. We we had plans to yeah. We, we will we will be playing as soon as we possibly can. And I I think that you know everyone takes this thing a little bit seriously and do do our parts, keep our hands clean, all that stuff, and hopefully you know. Everything will be fine, and everything will be back to normal in in um, not no time, but hopefully short short time. I guess it will be a short time in comparison to you know beautiful life on earth. Yeah, <laughs> let's live through it. Well, at least earth. at least we have a new album on the way. John Feldman has called this a career defining album for the U. So you can either tell him to fuck off, or that's a great compliment. So, um, do we're very excited to hear this album. It's a beautiful compliment, and I would. 100% agree, but I'm biased. <laughs> I listen to it all the time. I listen to it twice a day. <laughs> well, the album is called Heartwork. It is out on the 24th of April. Uh, Bert, it's been awesome talking to you, man. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And hopefully, if you're in Sydney, we can actually meet in person again at some point before the world ends. We will. We will shake hands someday, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deal. But, but until then, elbow, elbow bumps and... That's me. That's me elbow bumping my mic right now. Elbow bumps, buddy. (laughs) Thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Bert. Thank you so much to Bert McCracken from the U's for coming on the Green Room podcast. The album is called Heartwork. It is out on April 24. Be sure to get a copy, uh, and hopefully, once this coronavirus outbreak settles down, the used will tour again, uh, but obviously lives in Australia now, so he has plans to come back to Australia, and we can't wait. Thank you so much for listening to the Green Room Podcast this week. If you like what you hear, check out the Handshake Media Network to hear other shows, including The Take with Willie Mason. Yes, that is Big Willie from the NRL. He's doing a podcast now talking all things rugby league, and that sucks with Dan Cribb and Troy Nababan. Thanks for listening, and you'll hear from me next week. Stay inside, stay safe.